Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I'm Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie Show. I'm a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And I'm Sam. I'm a nurse, podcaster, and co-host of The Selfie Show. Today we are talking off the clock, pretty raw and unfiltered about grief, mm-hmm. loss, dying, death and dying, micro traumas, the part of nursing that's it's like, heavy. Yeah. Super heavy. Super heavy. And um, kind of also we're going to be dropping some big tips on how to survive the healthcare machine. Because I think there's a lot of things that uh, we just don't talk about these things at all. And I know there's like this whole push for self-care, but we're going to go even a step further than that. Like a lot of the things that we're going to talk about are genuinely things that I think help help us survive. <laughs> That's a good one. It's a much requested. Yeah. Actually, I feel like we get asked this more than anything else this is by far one of the biggest topics i also really like this topic because i think it's very taboo i think it's something that people don't want to really talk about or really address in general so today's gonna be really fun really excited it's heavy but we're gonna be trying to keep it light and good um okay so um sam almost just literally um displayed my crotch for the entire world to see. i did no i actually did i posted a video so of, if you saw it you're welcome of her on the couch and then she's like sam my crotch is in that so i had to delete it and type over it but it was a good little free show yeah it honestly was. okay so the backstory to this is i ordered modern fertility for those of you who don't know it's like a it's a kit that you can order um, where you can like assess your hormones and it's a personalized little, um, basically, I don't know. It's like healthcare kit, essentially, if you will, it's an at home kit. And I had just gotten the results. And so we were, I was telling Sam about it and she's like, I want to try this. And so Sam did a little, like, I don't know if I want to try it. I know for the record, you do curiosity killed the cat. That's the thing is I was curious. I'm like, and, I just want to know. And then I posted your cat. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> Hello, kitty. It's a little, <laughs> little kitty slip. Yeah. So, okay. So here's the backstory or the full wrap of that is Sam's going to try it. And then we're going to come back and tell you guys our full thoughts on this. And our results. And our results. Do you guys want to know how our hormones are? Yeah. 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 How- and if we liked it or not. I truly, I mean, no, we're going to wait. We're going to wait to give yeah, you guys we'll a recap. We'll unpack it together. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll be another month or so until I can take the test because you have to time it with your period. Yeah. Yeah. How was your last week? I've been out of town again. Per usual. Vegas mm-hmm. and good old Bakersfield. Ooh. Love How that. was that drive? It was a four-hour drive home. You didn't try Sonics, did you? I didn't. I saw it and I drove <laughs> by it and I almost took a video of it, like a picture. I don't have a desire still where did i stop to eat yeah where'd you go anything good oh i forget dairy queen (laughs) oh god i want dairy queen actually that would be delicious so i don't know i'm back in vegas again next week Mm -hmm. i just you know bouncing around how are you liking it i'm officially done training so i'm on my own now out in the world med device world i like it yeah i just wish that I'm adjusting to a Monday to Friday lifestyle. And as someone who's been a nurse for 10 years, I have never understood the concept of a Monday to Friday. Thankfully, I still don't have an office. It's not a nine to five. It's still very much all over the place. But yeah, I'm kind of adjusting to that world. But it's good. I definitely enjoy the work itself. And I think that's first and foremost, a big key to happiness in life. So yeah, I love that for you. Love that for me. Yeah, Traveling is cool, though. 
I mean, I'm not married. I don't have kids. You're like, enjoying I'm it. Chilling. It's so kind of freeing. It is cool to like be able to meet more people, get out in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. eat all the you. different food mm, yeah love that for you yeah this last week i i had worked a whole slew of shifts and then um for a couple of days i went and did a horse show with my you mom did. it was super fun my i didn't ride but my mom did and she killed it she did awesome you horsey girls i know i love that for me so um we're back we're in studio and i'm um, speaking of fertility <laughs> okay yeah hmm, i'm popular opinion so right before recording this we found out that britney spears is pregnant mm-hmm. possibly it's yes pregnant tori's mad at me because i said it's not confirmed yet okay so <laughs> it is confirmed and here's why it was confirmed on britney's account as well as sam's account her baby daddy but there's been no official statement from any of their management or but why do we need a statement from them why can't she just say i'm pregnant because unpopular opinion Okay, here we go. Free Britney, but maybe not all the way. Okay, so (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to say it. And listen, I'm a big mental health advocate, and this isn't a knock at Britney Spears at all. Mm -hmm. I think her conservatorship was a sham. I think she absolutely should have been free. They were exploiting her. They were stealing from her. She was being mistreated. She was absolutely, honestly... I think it's going to come out like way down the line in the future, like how horrific it actually was. Yeah. And it's going to be some, you know, lifetime. It's horrible. I don't support any of it. But at the same time, I don't think she's completely mentally. Right. In a state where she can fully. Mother. Or be a mom or have children. Okay. So I have so many (laughs) thoughts on this situation. So it's actually interesting because I was just listening to an episode over on um, the Juicy Scoop. Heather uh, McDonald interviewed Dr. Drew and he brought her up in terms of mental health. He was talking kind of like loosely about Kanye and then looped in Britney Spears about this. And, you know, she's confirmed bipolar. Um, There's a lot of, you know, that's kind of been something that she's struggled with for many years. And I do think I agree with you in the sense of I think we've all been watching the social media situation. Obviously, her IG is a little off the hinge. It's it's, it's, it's chaotic. Off. It's chaotic. It's very chaotic, which oftentimes, for those of you who are unfamiliar in the bipolar disease, um, that can be a very big telling sign, right? Like social media and how they're speaking out and, um, you know, that ego that starts to really take over. And there's a lot of science behind it, obviously. But I, I do agree with you. I do think that maybe right now, it's tough, right? Because she's 39 or 40 and they, she does, she's always said she wants to have more kids. The thing that I do and I agree with you with is that, is this the right time? Like, are the people around her taking care of her? Are they, is Sam genuinely in this with her as a partner, mm-hmm. helping her and supporting her and actually trying to, I mean, I hope that is the case. Unfortunately, we don't know. He's significantly younger I than her. I think he's a pile of shit, personally. Right. <laughs> she looks happy, and I she want her happy. to be happy. I genuinely think she deserves all the happiness in the world. I think he... The fact that he's with her the whole time she's on a conservatorship, I just feel like he's preying on her. Well, he sealed the deal, for sure. I know, but Here I feel did. like he's preying on her. Right. And I don't like it. It gives me ick vibes the other from thing, him. Yeah. But she's happy, so I'm happy for her. I want her to be happy, and I don't think I... I'm sitting here one to judge like any woman's right to bear a child because well and that's, I, you know I'm pro right like choice and all these things but at the same time just thinking about it from a child's perspective like how hard that would be to grow up 
in a chaotic home. Oh, and this is also yeah. talking about this too. Is I mean, okay, here's the thing. We've worked at NICU, right? And we work in a high risk population, which does in- involve mental health. So then it kind of leads you down the line of like, uh-huh. okay, with women who are, who, who struggle through mental disorders and diseases, like how do we help them? Like, you know, is it, it's a really interesting story or, a, you know, a concept. And I think it's good to be talking about. I do. I hope that everything's going well for her. It is, you know, and she has struggled also. She's been open about this, about uh, postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Like, she's been open about that. Yeah. And she was Which saying, I think is great. Yeah. Like, we need to shine more light on that. We need to talk about it. I don't think this is a subject I've ever thought about before. So I feel like I'm speaking from a very uneducated place. Right, so I right, will right. definitely say that. I'm not saying that I am, like, one that's opinion even matters. Well, and so it's validate. not a popular opinion. I'm not even yeah. saying my opinion's right or that it matters. I just it concerns me sometimes when we're choosing to bring children into this earth that they're going to have the correct people in their lives right. to care for them and raise them and give them a life that they deserve. Cause right. I think all children yeah. deserve a healthy, happy home. And obviously that doesn't happen. And there's a lot of people, children that grew up in unideal homes who still have a great life. And they're like, yeah, despite all the trials and tribulations I went through, I came out a certain way, but it still doesn't mean it was fair to them i well, don't know and I in terms know. of pregnancy I'll, I'll validate this too okay in terms of pregnancy your hormones go all whack and that is a big thing in terms of when if a psychiatrist is working with uh someone who's dealing with mental health disorders and you know they decide to get pregnant that's something that they put on alert like if you're on medications mm-hmm. they say okay well you know we really need to make sure that everything's adjusted properly so you know i hope that that's the case for her because when someone who is either bipolar or is struggling through mental health disorders, depression, whatever it may be. That's a huge thing. That is a risk in pregnancy. And that is something we should be talking about, right? We should be talking about openly. Is this the right time for you? Is this something, do you have the support system? Are you able to follow up with all of your appointments? Like, will you do so? If someone says that you're out of, if something doesn't seem right with you, we need to check in. Are you going to listen? Like that's, those are very valid questions. And this is not an attack on saying people that struggle with mental health shouldn't have kids or shouldn't have kids because Tori and I struggle with mental health (laughs) disorders and we both take meds but so it's not to say that it's just obviously it's like there is a line but who's to draw the line I don't know not me certainly not me but I don't know (laughs) it's just something to think about unpopular opinion I just Brittany is it free Brittany but also someone keep an eye on her kind of like same thing like Kanye like I don't think he's shouldn't be free to like, I don't think he needs a conservatorship, but like homeboys out here. Well, he went to rehab, right? Yes. He's and rehab good, good for him. He needed yes, help. He absolutely. needed help. So it's like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, and I think that's a very, um, that was a very good move for him. Yes. It was a good move. Love good that time. for him. Love that for him. We love that. We're here for all the mental health talks. And I do think it's good. It's good. It's stimulating. We got to have these conversations like, you know, I mean, especially pivoting into today's episode and even just addressing mental health with healthcare workers. And actually, this kind of stemmed from someone asking me earlier this week when I was telling them about what I do for a living. And they're like, you've been a nurse at a children's hospital for 10 years and you see children dying babies dying like how do you deal with all that yeah they're like do you mental health do you go to therapy do you do this what do you do that and I kind of just sat there with a blank stare like yeah mm, we have answers mm, I actually yeah. Sam and I were so we're gonna get this. into it but it is like yeah. the fact that people don't 
really that don't work in healthcare don't realize some of the trauma and micro trauma that we experience in this field and what that does to us and how that weighs heavy on us. Yeah, for sure. According to research, grief and loss are significant issues for healthcare providers who may witness their patients' pain and suffering, experience feelings of grief as a result of caring for sick and dying people and re-experience their own past losses. Unaddressed grief can lead to many issues for providers, their patients, and the healthcare system as a whole. And I could not agree with this more. Especially that re-experience their own past losses because sometimes you don't even realize how your own personal experiences have affected you until you're at work dealing with a grief situation and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, for sure. It it hits you like a truck. Yeah, and I think, okay, so something that I think is really interesting and I wanted to loop in here was sort of the old school versus new school modern day healthcare, right? So, you know, when our moms and grandmas were nurses, you know, it was a very different kind of world, right? Like they went to their job, they stayed for 30 years, and then they retired. And everything was about, you know, saving, 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 you don't leave your provider, loyalty, all these things. Modern day healthcare is not what it used to be. The pressure on us now is more than ever. The patients are sicker. Um, We have more and more technology to help, you know, quote, make these things better, save lives. We have more medications, technology, machines, all of these things going on, right? And I think something that's really interesting is we just have not really addressed what's that doing to us at the bedside. Yeah. And then throw in a global pandemic on top of everything Tori just mentioned. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. Time out. <laughs> yeah, burnout's super real. So prior to the pandemic, you would see, this is by an article, you guys. So you would see burnout rates on average ranging from 30 to 50%, according to research. We are seeing now levels of that range from 40 to 70%. And this, to me, is very depressing. Clinicians are burned out, depressed, and suffering from compassion fatigue, and it neg- negatively affects healthcare quality and safety. And I could not agree with that more as well. Um, I just think, like, you know, there's a there's so many things that we we really experience in terms of trauma, right? Mm-hmm. And trauma, the tra- types of traumas that we really get into, there's you know a lot of micro traumas is mm-hmm. where my head is going to, right? And I think those end up kind of adding and adding and adding and building up over time. And it's something that um, I never really used to think when I was younger. Like, I never really thought about it. And honestly, it's not something that we talk about. Like, did did any of your professor or anybody in healthcare talk about this with you? No, never. That's not anything discussed. And for, you know, just sort of a backstory. So 100 years ago, also, people were born and died at home. And now many are born and dying in hospitals. Hello, that's us providers. We're the ones doing that. So this is affecting us in a really big way. And I wanted to talk about this a little bit too in terms of micro traumas and just sort of understanding sort of the background of that. So when we think of traumas, you usually think of them as huge monumental events um, and, you know, things that come to mind are, you know, domestic abuse or, a, you know, death of a loved one and things like that. However, um, this is from a PhD, Margaret. She's a Seattle-based psychologist and psychoanalyst who has studied this in depth. And she defines microtrauma as seemingly insignificant experiences that are emotionally injur- injurious to oneself or another. Because they seem so minor, they can be easily ignored, denied, or otherwise swept under the rug. And these subtly hurt experiences and they can accumulate over time. And I just, 
I think it's so interesting because I think this can go from anything in my head from patients and parents yelling in frustration at us to a mother screaming as she loses a child or you transferring a near drowning child holding an iPad for someone who is dying in the hospital and watching the family cry on an iPad, a surgeon or MD screaming at you. I mean, I think there's just so many things that come to my mind where I'm like, these are things that literally imprint on you and they stay with you for a long time. What is your biggest like trauma or micro trauma that stands out to you in your career? Yeah. Uh, My first, for me, it was my first withdrawal my baby withdrawal I actually have two one was a baby withdrawal and one was an experience that I had with um a family member of a dad who he was the primary caregiver and it was when we were working SBU in our small baby unit and there was a lot of issues between him and mom and the mom, um, she was in jail, out in and out of prison. She came for one visit prior to the baby passing, and I was the one to help their family as well. So it's actually two of the babies that we, that I've lost. And those two babies have stuck with me my entire life. The first time I ever zipped a body bag and the first time I ever had a family really um, that I connected with where I lost, we lost the baby about three months into their care. Um, and walking the baby down to the morgue, I just... Yeah, these are the the two things I think for me that really were the heaviest moments. And um, yeah, what about you? I have a couple that stand out. One was a patient that transferred to me at the start of my night shift. And I worked my ass off that entire 12 hours. I don't think I took a break. I don't think I peed. I worked my butt off trying to do everything to stabilize and keep that patient good and then change a shift. I'm like, it's seven o'clock. What's the old nursing joke? Like keep them alive until seven Oh five. It was like change a shift seven o'clock, like day shifts here. Like, okay, I made it. I did it. Giving report at the bedside. Patient's heart rate goes down. They always come up, bro, right? They always come up. Yeah, especially they in, always, in NICU, that's they like always not come uncommon. Up. Yeah. Sometimes we got to like do some interventions, intervene a little bit, but they always come up. Didn't come up. Didn't come up. We're doing all the things. It's like you look at each other and do that, oh shit, like we have to start CPR. Start CPR. Like calling a full code. No one's coming like doctors because it's seven o'clock in the morning. It's like the worst time for a code. And so then we have to overhead page it. Then we finally get three doctors running in. And then the attending that was on overnight, who was actually at a delivery, comes walking in. And that's why they didn't weren't the initial one to respond. And her and I just look at each other and shake our head like tried like we tried so hard. Like we both didn't like she got no sleep that night, even though and it was just like we tried so hard and there's nothing. And the patient passed during the code, like did not come out of the code, which sucks because parents weren't physically there like actually I was really frustrated because it's neither here nor there at this point but mom was still inpatient recovering from a c-section at another hospital so really I don't even know that transferring was in the baby's best interest when it had such a high probability of passing away but whatever that's not the point it was just like this sucks yeah that one stuck with me for a very long time there was another time where um 
I went on a transfer and the patient, like, I don't know how we got them back from the transfer, but we did. Yay. Like, and you're kind of feel good as a, the transport nurse. Like I did my job. Right. I got them here. That's the goal of my job is to get you safely from A to B. And I did that, but I just knew like, this is like the P's ICU nurses are going to be working their butts off. And I don't even think it was an less than two hours of getting them back. The patient passed. And then we did go up there to do a debrief with the PEDS ICU nurses since we were still on the shift. And I think debriefing is a huge thing. If you guys are not doing that in your practice, you really need to incorporate that. And we can talk about that later in this episode. But went up there to debrief with that team and our team and walking by the room, hearing mom cry. Yeah, it's the worst. Gutted me. Yeah. To the point where I'm just like, I don't know how much more I have left in this field. Um, I'm obviously still working as a flight transport nurse right now. I'm doing per diem though. So I have decreased due to my other full-time job, but I'm just like, man, that one, I don't know. I'm still not over it. Still not over it. I cannot ever shake that, those sobs out of my head. It's really hard to describe to someone too, who hasn't experienced it or been in it, Mm -hmm. how that feels or what it's like. It's, it is Especially too, I think for um, a lot of us in the healthcare, I would say more acute care ICU settings when we're with our patients for for quite a long time and you've worked Mm -hmm. so hard. I mean, for me, thinking back to the dad who I was working with, you know, he worked construction and he was essentially a single dad at this point and with a micro preemie and he, I, I, at the time was working full-time nights. So I made sure every night that he could come, I was preparing the bath or, you know, had a plan for him, you know, of what, how we were going to do the night. And we had a routine and I just knew how much these moments meant to him. And, you know, got to know his family and his mom. And it was just, it was really meaningful, the whole process of really trying to, to help this family as much as I could. And unfortunately, the baby, you know, it, it ended really, it, it, that one really, really will stick with me for the rest of my life. And I think the impact of patient's death is often, we don't, we don't address this. And we're not, you know, we're also not addressing really the, the coping and the strategies and how to prevent stress burnout. Um, well, because also in that moment, it's not about us, right? It's yeah. we're the support system for yeah. the family. Yeah, for sure. And that's our job. That's our job. That's our job. But then when you get home mm-hmm. and you take your scrubs off, you don't also just get to turn your brain off. Yeah. Yeah. So what's left? Um, and according to research, unaddressed grief has some serious consequences for both both employees and the organization. At the individual level, unaddressed grief can obviously lead to sleep disturbances, reduced cognitive ability, impaired judgment, feelings of isolation, anger, and guilt, and loss of self-worth, and a sense of meaningless to one's life. At the organizational level, unaddressed provider grief can lead to the depersonalization of patients, reduced quality of patient care, increases absenteeism and turnover, lowered morale, decreased productivity, and greater risk of long-term health problems among the staff. This is big. This is a really big issue for us right now. I mean, this is probably, I mean, if we're talking like big stuff, you know, death, dying, grief, micro traumas, like this is, this is peak time yeah. to be talking about these things. Well, and I'm 
sure so many people have either spent a long time working in their career and the pandemic hilt and it's like that's kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for how much can one healthcare provider really take in their career before they just are a little bit broken or even harder is sometimes you're new and you've only known pandemic nursing that's a hell of an introduction to the field of healthcare. That I feel for you. If you, all of you listening right now, because there's a lot of you in here who did that. I feel for you. I cannot imagine starting my career in that time. Because mm-hmm. we knew a time before that, right? We knew the time when it was, we had a great crew. We had a great situation. Yeah. I feel very lucky. We're, I mean, that's privilege, right? We got mm-hmm. privilege. We started in a great place in a children's hospital where we had support. We were precepted by nurses who had been there for, let's call it, whatever, 20, 10, 15 years. Those nurses are no longer there. <laughs> and they are no longer precepting. And now we have young people precepting other people. And why? Because I think the ter- the burnout, the microtraumas, everything is a getting to people. It's really getting to people. How does that look for us as healthcare providers? Uh, everything, bad habits starting to creep in, like eating junk food, self-medicating, yeah. finding whatever distractions you can, whether it's social media, mindless scrolling, drinking, unhealthy sleep habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of sometimes starts small, like just getting fast food on the way home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hello. Yeah, Tori Hi. and her McDonald binges on the way home. <laughs> and then it's yeah. like you become too tired to work out. So you start missing one workout. Then you get off track and you don't have a routine and you're just, yeah. you're over it. You're, you're too tired for kind of everything it leads to some sort of like mild depression where it's just like, I really do believe sometimes your body needs to catch up on sleep. And it writes that fine line for me sometimes between I'm like, I'm so tired. I just need to sleep all weekend before I'm like, or am I just entering my depression den also? And yeah. just like disconnecting and isolating from the world. That's such a valid thing too. I mean, you and I know having worked night shift and I'm back on night shift and I have noticed myself doing this where I will sleep in on you know, I'll catch up on my day off and then I'm sleeping in on certain days. And I'm like, am I like, why am I sleeping in this much? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I do know for me personally, like I get so exhausted, but I'm sure it's throwing off, you know, your circadian rhythm is thrown off. Mm -hmm. And for those of us who work in healthcare, sometimes it's not an option, right? If you're working night shift because you need that differential, if you're working night shift because, you know, your husband or you have kids, like Mm -hmm. sometimes this isn't an option for you, right? And so working nights, and I know that that's very hard on your body, much less working days, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours a day. Like it's, it's exhausting. And I do think there's a point too, where, um, for many of us who have been in the field for a while, this doesn't happen right away, but there is a point too, where you almost feel like it's almost worse than the feeling of depression. It's where you have no emotion. Yeah. Where you are, you feel like an empty shell. Where you're apathetic, apathetic, like you just start feeling this feeling of like jaded, you you just don't have feelings anymore. Like that's a very real thing for a lot of us. It's kind of like scary, right? (laughs) When you're like that numb. Yes, you kind of numb out and you just start going in. And then it's like, do I want to do this the rest of my life? Like, am I okay with this? And I think something is really interesting. So, you know, all these things said, right? Like, who the hell would want to go into healthcare when you do this? But I think what's really interesting is, um, so I was watching TikTok. Love, love me, love us some TikTok, right? Obsessed. Are you new here? Are you new here? Hello. Are you <laughs> love, new here? love it for us. Um, and um, Ryan, Ryan P, we love you. 
Um, so she is a travel nurse for those of you who are not following her. She's blowing up on TikTok. We love her. Loki, I don't ever like to tease it, but we may or may not have her confirmed down the line. Boop. So, but, and I want to give her credit to this because this is an idea that she brought up on one of her videos I was watching. And I was like, this is literally how I survive in healthcare. Her one video, she literally said it just point blank. And it's the idea of how the, how do we survive? Right. And it's basically the way she said it was, you have to give a fuck while simultaneously not giving a fuck honestly (laughs) of what you're doing yeah and what she's basically saying in a sum up is compartmentalized that is literally i think how you and i have survived this many years we've worked nine you now 10 11 years i think it's just that idea of when you go in it's work it's your 12 hours this is what I'm doing. I'm putting in the energy that I can put into this moment. And then when I leave the hospital, I am leaving it there. Mm -hmm. And that's when that person asked me that I genuinely like looked them in the eyes and kind of laughed. And then I was, well, I've developed a really dark sense of humor. Yeah. And I turn it off and on. And I have to, Yeah, I have to turn it off and on and know when, because Otherwise, it will just eat you alive. Yes. It's not natural to watch people die die on your job. I mean, that's why other first responders also deal with similar like mental health mm-hmm. stuff as us and traumas. But I think especially working in peds, it's definitely not natural to zip up a body bag of a baby something or else, a child. Something else I think is important to talk about, too, is, OK, when everyone says, quote, I want to become a nurse because I want to help someone, right? When you say that, the implication on the other end is something is wrong, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's something that we don't think about, right? A lot of us don't think about that. Like, okay, when you're saying, I want to help you, you're going into an environment, um, whether that's bedside, whether that's clinic, whether that what some sort of healthcare field umbrella, what you're implying is you're going into a situation where it's bad, something is not good. I would say maybe with the exception of L&D nurses, but even L&D nurses experience a lot of trauma too. So, you know, typically people, when they're in the hospital, you're not there for a good reason. You're there for something that other, you know, other than having a baby, which hopefully that's always a good outcome, which you and I, you know, Sam and I work in this situation where it's not, but you're going into a situation where you want to help someone. And I think the idea is you kind of have to understand it's a big mental game. It's a really big mental game and it's a more of a mental game than it used to be. And I think that's the shift that we're learning, right? We're in this time, this really <laughs> modern day healthcare woke moment where we're, we're all like, what the fuck is happening? All these things are going on with us and how do we survive in it? And I think it's a big piece of it is really understanding at the core, this is my job. This is what I'm doing and understanding the limits and compartmentalizing your work life and your personal life huge 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 concept here you have to be able to give a fuck without giving a fuck (laughs) and to me at the end of the day working at a children's hospital for my entire career the good always seemed to outweigh the bad Mm -hmm. because for every horrible death I've been a part of there's been that many more children that I've watched get discharged and live amazing lives yeah it's the best so that's where I also t- try to focus my energy on is all of 
the good I've done. Or the one time when, you know, on your shift, you you just know you made an effect on the patient or the parent in a unique way where you know you were the one that were able you were able to do x y and z on your shift like that's such a great feeling or discharging someone home for the you know and giving a bath for the first time or you know helping someone with a resource that they didn't know about you know like there's just so many ways in our in our life that we can affect our patients in a positive way and so I do think that's a big piece of it too it's like right yeah, focus focusing on that. on that. But we also kind of want to just give some strategies for really just optimizing your work capacity. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a couple little ideas here for you guys that we pulled together. And here's the thing, like, you know, we're in a big wellness push and, you know, everyone's doing all these things, but we, we have very weird routines and lifestyles and a very heavy kind of workload. Right. And so we were thinking, we we're trying to get creative on ways for us to really optimize yourself. And so um, the first point here that we came up with was the first one is you really have to understand this is such a basic thing, but you have to make you first. And we don't do that. We don't do that. We go to school for years to learn how to take care of others and it never gets talked about how to take care of yourself. You cannot be a good nurse, RT, NP, MDDO, wife, mother, husband, partner, whatever it is, without taking care of yourself and putting yourself first. You you can't. You physically can't do it. Period. <laughs> like I co-sign that. I have nothing else to add. That is just the basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs shit. Yeah. Okay. Second thing start optimizing your personal health. And the first thing I really want to emphasize, and I know this is super hard and it seems so, so obvious, you guys, is sleep. There's so much research that's coming out about the importance of sleep right now and also the healing effects of sleep. It's really interesting. I found a, a, a really interesting article on this and it basically said when we sleep at night, we repair we can actually repair micro traumas. So a good eight hours of sleep can really help heal your brain and the neural pathways from the damage that's been caused by additives from the day before. And I think this is something that, you know, it kind of used to be like glorified when, you know, we weren't sleeping mm-hmm. or when we were working like these crazy amount of hours. You and I used to work these crazy amount I of hours. I still see people on Instagram like bragging about their like 16 hour shifts. Yeah. Not a flex. Not a flex. That's not a flex. I I am not any I am if I'm talking about how much I'm working, it's because I'm complaining about it. Yeah. I don't want to be working that much. It's not it's not me flexing. I don't want to do it. No, I'm not a martyr for that anymore. I Um, used to be though. Yeah, absolutely. I used to flex on that. Not anymore. No. No. When's the last time you've actually like or no better question how often do you consistently get eight hours of sleep oh my god that's that's in real life not and not i don't think i've gotten eight hours of sleep one more than like once in the last month and i'm not proud of that okay so part of it's my problem and we're going to go through some of the tips that we're coming up with because these are things i'm working on um when i'm in between shifts night shifts i sleep usually four to five hours that's awful that's really not good. No. Um, when I'm off of my shifts, I will typically, because I don't, we don't have kids yet, you guys, and I'm self-aware. We're self-aware, right? Mm-hmm. I will usually oversleep, which is also probably not good to catch up. Um, so what I've been doing more recently in terms of sleep and just trying to make sure I'm effectively doing this is I do clump my night shifts. And I know many of you, that's kind of a strategy for a lot of night shift people. Um, and it's also why I spend the money on supplements like I do. 
you guys know here we're partnered with Beam and shameless plug here. Not shameless. This is like because I love Beam Dream. I, I drink Beam when I come home and it, I genuinely it will help me fall asleep because at this point my sleep is so important to me. Um, and I think that this is something that I've really been working on. Also, you know, not scrolling at night. My downfall. Totally. Or getting on the Netflix, you know, when we get on those binges and we find a show, which I'm so guilty of like this last week, I'm not even gonna lie. I did that. Like, Have you I, watched This Is Cake? No. It's I binged it in Netflix and one, like one didn't I? I'm watching Top Boy right now and it's, I'm addicted. Honestly, it's a reality show where they just bake cake. It looks like... <laughs> real items and then they cut into them with swords to figure out if they're cake or real items and it is riveting oh my god i love this for you okay way off topic but sorry if you need a little detune watch this is cake but don't do it before bed yes because we need to make your bedroom your sanctuary that's our next tip <laughs> under this optimizing yes. your health so okay big strategy we've talked about it here but i will absolutely agree with this did you take your tv out of your room yet we have not tori and i should I i've been totally talking about should. this for a year with you i know because sam does not Sam's i don't have never a had a tv yeah yeah, I totally should. Okay, so this is what we have done though. Okay, so we've switched out our light bulbs. You guys know we have the red light bulbs at our bedside. So the light, I've switched it out from white light to red light. The red light, um, we have no white light when we go into our bedroom because I want it to be a, literally a sanctuary. We have the rock salt rock lamp at the Can bedside. Can you use like other colors than red? I just hate the color red. Red is supposed to be something like you know when you look into a fire and you see the crimson like that at night. Like it's it has just my least favorite color. I know. Like it's ugly. Yeah. I don't want my room. It's to supposed be red. to help us sleep so get on it. Is there like another color no. you could could you do like purple? Maybe purple. That's Let me Google line. it. Let's <laughs> Google that shit. I don't know maybe but um so red light at your bedside right for me. I also really invest in nice, nice sheets. Sheets are very important in the Mexican household. So that is very important to us. Air purifier. If you need something like, you know, to set the mood with um, like a little water thing at your bedside, which the waterfalls, you know, something like to help you sleep. I just set the vibes in your room for sex and sleep and literally make it your sanctuary. Make it something that you look forward to and you are so like you literally can't wait to get into. Yeah, those should really be all you're doing in bed. Yeah, sex and sleep, baby. Bounce. <laughs> and don't break your bed. <laughs> hey. Also, one more play. Can we give another plug, 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 plug for That's your sex? That's in Tori's nightstand. You're welcome. That's definitely on my nightstand. Um, the next one we have is, uh, to schedule those workouts. So you started like, actually, are you, you with the trainer? What is, what's your deal? Yeah. So, uh, beginning of 2022, I am literally putting it on the calendar right now. I'm one to two days a week with a trainer. And that is better than zero days a week. Absolutely. So good I for you. literally put it in the calendar. You guys, I plan ahead because I, Sam will get into her situation. But for me personally right now, because of how I'm working, you know, I'm flip-flopping days and nights and we obviously have a lot going on with the podcast. We have, I have a lot going on into content creation, some backend stuff going on. Like just every day I could literally find an excuse every single day as to why I don't have time. And I'm at the point in my life where I literally have to make time. It is a priority for me. Mm -hmm. um, we really undervalue the value that workout does for depression, for boosting your mood, for boosting your hormones, all those those lovely little dopamine and epinephrine and things going on in your brain. It, it, it honestly comes down to discipline over motivation because trust me, like you said, how you could find an excuse. Absolutely. I 
don't want to work out sometimes. I do it because I have to, not because I want to. Yeah. Sometimes I want to and I love it and that's why I like powerlifting because it's something I enjoy. I don't recommend putting your body through a bunch of workouts that you don't like. Don't don't do that. Like Tori would not like what I do. I no. would not like what Tori does. Yeah. I recommend you find your thing. Yoga, Pilates, running, hiking, swimming, weights, whatever it is, find what you like and do it. Yeah. But Sometimes I don't want to do it and I do it because I have to do it. And for me, that's why I compete. Like you're scheduling and you've made it on your schedule. So you were holding yourself to it. I just signed up for another competition in August because I did a competition in February. I have been so busy between the per diem job, the new full-time job and the podcast that I have worked out a total of eight times since February 12th, wow. my competition. And That's I awesome. used to work out six times a week. Mm-hmm. So I've worked out the most in like almost two months that I used to do in one week. And it's because I have found every excuse. Right. And I'm like, Samantha, your life's not going to change right now. Like my schedule is kind of crazy and it's going to be that way for a little bit. And I, I had to sign up for another competition because now to me, it's like, well, August 20th is my competition. That date's coming. I have to train for it. I just, I have to. It's yeah, part something of to look forward to is so, really, really good. Yeah. Um, just figure out what it is, whether you need to schedule it or you have some goal or something. But I feel like if you don't make goals and write them down, you're not going to, you're not going to do them. Yeah, we kind of talked about that with like our think week. Yeah. If you just kind of say it in the back of your mind, it's easy to forget about and turn off. But if you write it down, schedule it, do whatever, you kind of are more likely to make it happen. But honestly, physical activity really is kind of that good outlet yeah for you and even for me I started trying to uh take my morning work meetings since they are remote and calls upstairs by my pool mm-hmm. because I am in a way better mood if I experience physical sunlight to start yeah. my day oh my god like, I laid out this last week beyond. and so did you yeah I I I don't know what it was but I caught so much energy after that day I was like oh I feel just so much better with some sunlight. I, I really do. I was in do. such a good mood. And all I was was up there for 45 minutes. I took yeah. my work call by the pool. So I got sunshine for 45 minutes. And the rest of my day, I was in a way better mood. And I haven't done that in all of 2022. That was the first time I did it. And I was so surprised by the big difference it made that I said to myself that I need to start incorporating this into my lifestyle more. Yeah. And trying to start off by getting some sunlight, whether it's like taking a walk in the morning or just going outside and sitting outside and doing like a little bit of work from outside. I, that is a game changer. I think especially making, for us night shifters and stuff oh, that we absolutely. don't see sun. No, I know. And especially, okay. And I get it too. For a lot of us, if you're working a, a bunch in a row, I like to me in my head, I'm like, just, you know, put your head down and, and get those shifts done. When you're done is when you need to make the priorities, right? So mm-hmm. schedule those workouts, get out in nature, go get some fresh air, go get that vitamin D, catch some energy. I love some positive yeah. energy. Um, next thing, which I think is an obvious and obvious, you know, we're all talking about this these days is really protecting your mental health. Um, we are obviously partnered with BetterHelp and BetterHelp for us. It's an online therapy. You guys know you can choose all of your, any of your providers. For us, this is a tool that anyone can use. It's cheaper than regular therapy, which I think is wonderful. Obviously, if you guys want to use the code, we have code selfie for you if you want it. Or if you know someone that might need it, 
there you go. Code selfie for 10% off your first month. I cannot tell you how important this is. Mental health, you guys, and this is the root of all of what we're talking about right now. When you're dealing with death, dying, grief, mycotraumas, it will spark up things in your personal life. And I know mm-hmm. this is a big thing for, you know, even like I think about like hospice nurses, um, for nurses in peds, uh, oncology, like a lot of those places actually will offer um, help to to the people because those are extremely heavy units. Like they will mm-hmm. have extra support. But we just are not addressing the bottom line of all of us working in, in healthcare. Like mental health is huge. And if you're not, if you're not okay, reach out for help. Well, I've had someone that I kind of recommended to like close in my life where therapy might be a good option. And their response to me was, well, what is a therapist going to tell me that I don't already know? Right. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. Because honestly, I think I'm like pretty knowledgeable, self-aware. And I had to tell them that's not the point of therapy. It's not that someone's here to solve all your problems or just put a nice little bow on it and fix everything for you. It's not like super glue that's just going to come and like fix everything. But it gives you an outlet that sometimes you don't even know that you need it until you actually just can talk Mm -hmm. and get it out there. You don't even realize certain things sometimes until you start to open up the box. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got to dig into that for sure. Um, the next tip, and I think this is very important and something Sam and I both take very seriously, is sex life and personal life. I think this is huge. Um, you know, trying to dig into what you want out of your life. Obviously, like, you know, take care of you and your partner. You know, this is a huge piece of it. And we've talked about this many times. Sex can get on the back burner for all of us in healthcare. Like when you start going into those dark places and you are not okay, like we all know those moments where you're like, don't fucking touch me. I had the worst day I've mm-hmm. ever had. Mm-hmm. I literally zipped up a body bag. I can't hold your hand. I don't want to be touched. Okay, here's the thing. Reality check. We all chose this. We chose this profession, okay? It's what we do, not who we are. We have to learn how to compartmentalize. Now, I'm not saying you can't debrief, but what I am saying is take your minute. That's okay. Have your have your moment. And then we're moving on. Because guess what? It's your job. And we're going to keep going and we're going to keep moving forward. And you have to process that the way that you need to, but you have to be able to compartmentalize. Have to. And be able to come home and not have it be at the, our partner's expense. Yeah. Cause I was for sure guilty of that in like a past relationship in my like long-term seven year one where it was just like, I let it affect my personal life so much that like work stuff that I wasn't like emotionally available or like even just a good partner in general. And I can acknowledge that now after the fact, which kind of sucks. Cause it's like, all right, a little too late. <laughs> It's hard. Yeah. Well, you know what? Here we're self-aware and we're learning as we do. And I think another one is, um, in terms of another tip we have is to really dig into some other interests and energy outside of the hospital. Okay. And I've been doing a lot of like listening to other podcasts about this. And I'm just really into the idea of keeping your personal vibrations up. Okay. I am here for this. So I'm talking like, you know, other than therapy, because I think therapy is a really good one. But if you want to change it up, go get a Thai massage. Maybe try Reiki. I don't know if you, any of you are familiar with Reiki, and I would love to bring on a Reiki master on here because I'm so into this. Sound baths, acupuncture, stimulating another side of your brain. I, 
in you know when you go into the hospital you're using one side of the brain or one one set of ideas right and you're doing these things when you get outside the hospital or outside the healthcare setting whatever it is clinic start doing something else like try something else do something that's stimulating have you ever done acupuncture i love acupuncture can i go i've done it for anxiety i've never done it i'm obsessed and so here's the thing with acupuncture i really want to try it it's not to me it's not a one-time fix all Mm -hmm. i think it's something that if you do it consistently with a good provider who you find it's i mean it's obviously chinese therapy this is one of the oldest forms of ways to really help with anxiety pain depression it's really really interesting but i'm really here for that an interesting fact and it's a guest that i hopefully we can get on one day um a children's hospital that Sam and I both have worked at, they actually have a Chinese therapy consult for the pediatric oncology and PICU patients where they offer acupuncture, massage therapy, and things like that, which I think is really interesting. So why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we investing time? I want to try it. Yes. Because I'm a big, big massage gal, but I really want to try other things. Yeah. Um, On that note too, if you are someone that, oh, uh, other things just really quick on that idea is just like stimulating, right? Podcasts, concerts, community, nature. Like these are all things that I really, really, really love. And I think we should just all be digging into. Get out. Get out. Do you boo. Okay. If you are someone who's passionate and you're into something on the unit and you are feeling like you want to make a change, champion something. Yeah. Pick something on your unit in your hostel or something that you are passionate about and go for it. Champion the fuck out of that thing. Because Sam, I will say you championed the fuck out of like two or three things, which was probably too many, but you did. (laughs) And I loved it for you because you were so engaged. You were so into it and making big differences on our unit. It made me feel really good about my purpose of why I was there and seeing a difference I was making. And I was proud of that. Like if someone asked me how's work going, I would proudly say I'm doing this and that and talk about it. And it was like a big source of pride for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, it was really cool too, as like a peer, because I loved you and I was here to support anything that you were doing. I was like, I learned a freaking lot. And, you know, I just, I think true leaders in this space, like I love this for you. Go for it. Champion something. Don't overdo it. Because trust me and Sam and I have also, we're here to also say like, don't burn yourself out. I was going to say on the flip side of that, make, know when it's time to make a move. If the environment or setting no longer serves you or isn't good for you anymore, it's maybe time to move on. And as someone who did champion these things and was a clin for nurse and did have a really high level of passion and put a lot of my heart and soul into it, I did burn out and I did reach a point where it was time for me to move on to other areas and experience what it's like to be new again and learn something new and challenge myself and get out of my comfort zone. And I was unhappy. I moved on and I was very happy and I needed to make that move. For people who are newer to the show, if you're not familiar, you know, Sam and I've done so many different things. We were, we worked together full-time nights. I've done travel. Um, I've, you know, done blogging, content creation. I'm in grad school. I've changed jobs. I've worked per diem. I've worked part-time. I've worked days, nights, like You've worked Just, at so many hospitals. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, and I love it. You know why? Because it's stimulating and I get to n- meet people. I love networking. I love meeting new people. I love getting to hear stories and, and meet new people. And like, because of that, to be honest, and I think there's a lot of movement going on anyway. So if you want to make a move, make a move. Um, but I think it's stimulating. It stimulates your brain. It changes it up. Get in a new environment. You know, I think that that's actually a really, really great opportunity and something that is great about what we do. Honestly, don't wait around for things to get better. That day might never come. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, something else that I think um, I'm recently tapping into, and Sam and I haven't done really an episode focusing on this, but I think spirituality. Okay. I'm not talking religion. I'm not talking, you know, I, and I know a lot of you in here, you know, you, you have your religions, but I do think like for me, um, you know, Sam, Sam, Jacob and I went on our trip to Israel and I kind of did a little reconnect with myself on what I, what I believe in. And I do think that there's like this little element in what we do in spirituality. And I do think that's really important Um, for me, you know, I'll just be very, where I find my spirituality is more in nature. It's more in um, people. I, I think if I had to choose, I might be like more of a Buddhist, to be honest. But I think it's a really interesting thing to kind of tap into a little bit because there's that element, there's a higher element, it doesn't have to be religious, you know, just kind of like tapping into something that's bigger than yourself. And, you know, that's why we get into this, right? Like, well, and honestly, if you are religious, lean into that. Yeah, I love that for you. Lean into that. For and sure. I wouldn't call myself a religious person. I was raised Christian. I went to private school. My private religious school my entire life Lutheran high school I would say now as an adult I definitely I believe in God yeah but I I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of organized religion anymore I don't attend church or anything like that but I still have beliefs that I rely on and I think to me it's more of my own personal relationship and what I feel and how I connect on a one-to-one level and I don't feel like it really is anyone else's business yeah or that I have to involve anyone but Figure out what that is to you and what that means to you and your spirituality or religion, or maybe you have absolutely none either, and that's okay too, but you have to kind of figure out what makes you tick in life and what you connect to, and maybe it's just other humans, but yeah. lean into that. Lean into that. I think, you know, everyone's kind of at a core got something, um, whether it's, even if you're atheist, you, you, you have your things, right? And I think like getting to the core of like who you are what you believe in and really like embracing yourself and the core of who you are is really important. Um, and then also kind of a big idea here is also, you know, just really remembering that this is a job. And I think that really like to me right now, it's funny because so I'm working two per diem jobs. And I actually haven't talked about this with you guys a whole lot, but I work two per diem jobs. One, because I like the change up. I like working at two different hospitals. I like, I like two different environments. I also like the two different staffs that I work with and my, so whatnot. But I also remember like, this is a job. Like when I go into work, um, you know, I have a mentality. This is my job mentality. And I kind of put on that mental armor. And we've talked about this before. Sam and I are really big about this, like mental armor and really beefing up that mental armor. Um, and I think just the context of, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I do. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And right. I've said that a million times over. Like mm-hmm. I am Samantha mm-hmm. and my job is to be a nurse. Yeah. But I am not just a nurse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that we, we were kind of thinking that maybe we should avoid and maybe some don'ts for all of us. Right. So the one that I think would be really interesting is like just to kind of be mindful of your caffeinated um, no. beverages. No. Timed no. with sleeping. So if you're trying to sleep, just be mindful of that. Um, it's 8:36 p.m. and I'm drinking cold brew. Yeah, alcohol. Let's limit that. If you're not in a good headspace, let's let's limit that as a coping mechanism. Obviously, you guys, I'm so guilty of that because I love my shower beers and my shower cocktails. I'm also at the same time like if that helps. Sometimes you just got to take that off, take it off. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah, for have sure. a long shift and you want a shower beer, fucking have a shower beer. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, being mindful, obviously, of your screen time, 
Um, you know, that's a big one though, that I would say is if anything, staring mindlessly at our phones, not good. Sometimes I do love a detune. I love to just get on TikTok and just turn off everything and just laugh at all the funny videos. But at it the is same good. Time, Sometimes good like, energy. You have to find a balance. Right. There's a balance for all these things. And everyone has a different threshold. What you may be able to consume more of or tolerate more of, whether it's like caffeine or alcohol or screen time is not the same threshold for someone else. And yeah. you have to really figure out what your personal threshold is for that. Yeah. And one of the main big tips that we kind of want to close on, and this is a really big one that I think is really important to really, really, really focus on is energy. And we've talked about this so many times, right? So we go into these, into the hospital settings where it can be very heavy, heavy, heavy energy. And something that I really want you to be able to focus on is that when you're caring for these people, when you're in these big moments, you're, you know, whatever you're doing, maybe you're, you're coding a patient, you're having one of the hardest shifts of your life. What I really want you to remember is that you can't, there's a lot of things that you can change, but there's a lot of things that you cannot change. You cannot fix someone who's been smoking for 50 years leading up to this particular, whatever it is. You cannot fix someone who's diagnosed with this mental disease, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of things we can't change. So really focus on the things that you can change in your shifts, right? So it's like, I can make sure that you get your meds on time. Ryan brought this up in her video. I can make sure that you have a warm blanket. I can make sure that I'm, you know, trying to do my best for you in this moment. I can try and text a provider to update something if your pain control isn't good. Like control the things that you can't and be okay with the things that you cannot control. Can I tell you one of the most profound things that my mom actually said yesterday? So um, this was like a tough weekend for my family. It was my uncle who passed away's birthday yesterday and then we're gonna be going out to Arlington Cemetery next month for my stepdad's burial who passed away in December of 2020 from COVID but he's a Vietnam vet he's able to be buried at Arlington and that's obviously been very hard on our family dealing with that loss which has been devastating and you know it's so easy for me to think about grief from a nursing perspective and try to completely ignore it in a personal life perspective. So I always kind of shut that off because I don't like to think about it, but it's like, you can't ignore it, especially on bigger events. And my mom said the most like profound thing that had me absolutely in tears yesterday, but I have to just share it because I feel like if you kind of, and even to close with this and remember this might help you kind of, I don't even know. I'll just share it. So she said at the end of the day, like we are sometimes we're absolutely devastated. We're broken up by grief that that's, there's nothing you can do sometimes other than just sit with how much it sucks. But if you could choose a different life, like say I'm going to use, for example, say Jacob passed away. Oh God. Yeah. Sorry about that. So you, and say you had the option of three different lives you could choose life A where you married someone else and you guys lived 80 years together, but they were this and that and the other. You had option B where maybe you never even like met someone and you lived this life and this happened. Or option C is you got this time 
with Jacob that you had knowing before, even knowing that I would only get this amount of time with him, would you still have chosen the life knowing that he would have passed away early and you'd be left absolutely broken and devastated? God, I love that. You would. Wow. Because that knowing that it had a, this defined amount of time is still better than have never getting to have had him in your life at all. Wow. Right? Damn. And that's crazy to think about. And I thought about it from the grief perspective. And then she even said it from the opposite end about, you know, if our uncle knew that like he was going to like pass away and leave his, you know, children and his wife, like, would he have said, maybe I won't do this. And it's like, no, he still wanted to be the best dad, the best husband, the best uncle, the best father, brother, all of these, like son, all of these things. And it's crazy to think about like death sucks and some people are taken way too soon and it's not fair, but if you could have chosen differently and your choice on the alternative was to never have that person in your life, even though it was brief and not long enough, and you feel like you were robbed of that time, if your alternative was to never have them at all, what would you have chosen? You would have chosen to still have them, even though you're dealing with the brokenness and the emptiness of having them gone. And that completely changed my perspective on death and dying. And that was literally a conversation 24 hours ago. Wow. Wild. Love your mom. Yeah. That was really profound. Really. Love that. Yeah. And uh, for anyone who's going through something right now, we're sending out our love to you guys. Um. Yeah, I actually wanted to leave these two before we leave you guys, just so you know. Um, so these are actually three people that I uh, I follow and I absolutely love, and Sam does mm-hmm. as well. Um, t- so the first one being Gabby Bernstein. Um, so she's a New York Times bestselling author, motivational speaker, spiritual leader, and podcast host. If you're interested in more of the spiritual aspect of it, and I really like her take on things, um, she is just someone that I think... I believe she's gone through a whole sober, she's, she's sober and she's gone through a whole thing, but I really like her take on things. And so if you are someone that's kind of like looking for something and you would, would like to listen more about that, Gabby Bernstein, highly recommend. Second one, Jay Shetty, love him. He's an English uh, author, former Hindu monk. Um, he's a life coach. I repost a lot of his wife's stuff because she's hilarious. Um, and he's the host of the podcast On Purpose. Um, he's brought on a lot of different people like Alicia Keys, Khloe Kardashian. He had previously Kobe Bryant. Like he's had, I think, 64 million downloads. Yeah, his content is <laughs> insane, exceptional. Um, really wonderful if you're looking for that one. And then another one, obviously, Brene Brown. Many of you guys know her. She's a profound American research professor, lecturer, author, and podcast host. These are three podcast hosts and um, very profound people that we all love that we turn to as well yes so i i highly recommend i love tapping into these these things and i don't know why we don't talk enough about this in terms of like you know helping ourselves like let's turn into these modern day great approaches of how to help ourselves and um grief is you know sam's family's gone through so much this past year and um you know i've been there along with ride we my family's gone through some things as well and we're all you know we all are going to be grief stricken at some point in our lives. Um, and so, you know, it's how we can, you know, move forward and especially how it affects us in our, in our work life as well. Take care of yourself. Um, you know, there's a reason why we partner with people we do because we genuinely believe in them. So if you guys are interested in saving on some of the things that we gave you today, we will list them in the show notes for you. Um, 
we love you guys and we hope that you enjoyed this episode this is one that sam and i have been wanting to do for a long time yeah glad we finally got to it and just big hugs to you yeah um vibe high you guys yes we're gonna have a good episode for you on friday as well it's sort of an extension of this one you guys know the drill Make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. We have updated all of the links in the bio. There's plenty of things there for you guys. All the savings, all the goodies, our partners, our merch, all, all the goods. And like always, download, subscribe, rate, and review. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, drop your IG handle. We will be sending you out. We have tons of new pin styles. Yes. We have a little AKG stickers, one. Yeah. All the good stuff. So yes. leave your IG handle. And then if you could drop us five stars on Spotify, we would love you for that. Thank you very much. Boop. And make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at Nurse Tori. And at Hey Samantha with two A's. And again, stay tuned for our bonus episode Friday. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.